Welcome back, everybody. It's Jeff. Good to be sharing some time with you on Mavericks and Misfits. Grateful for all of you who tune in, who all subscribe and listen. And for those of you that are checking us out for the very first time, uh, our approach to this podcast is very simple. Uh, Call it meat and potatoes. What you see is what you get kind of thing. But um, I just want to be one among several reliable voices of truth that are communicating uh, what God's word says, but not simply in some formatted dry, deeply theological, always serious Bible study. Um, Whereas I do take the word of God very seriously, I don't take myself all that seriously, except in the realm of wanting to be used by Jesus in your lives. And so Mavericks and Misfits is a podcast that is squared up for the purpose of representing truth in an age that is completely abandoned even the concept of truth, much less the actual source of truth, which is the written revelation of the Word of God. And so uh, we just kind of come to terms with the fact that the Bible is God's um, revelation of who is who, what, it, what he is in his heart, who he is to his people, what he says, what he desires, what he commands, what he promises. And um, he actually gives us the revelation of the Word in order to help us live this life. The Bible's for you. <laughs> never forget that the Bible is not given so you can enjoy life it's the exact opposite that the fullness of joy comes in a life that is aligned with the heart of God and God reveals so much of his heart in the scriptures and so we're unapologetically uh, Bible people but we are also spirit people that means we understand that God is not chained to somebody's interpretation of the word God is a being with a personality with thoughts feelings will And um, he loves relationship. And so he is an interactive God. I call Christianity a full contact sport because it's not just supposed to reside between your ears as you study the book and just, you know, that's the extent of your relationship with the Almighty. Um, Surely, I've already said it, the the written revelation is crucial. It's vital. It's a non-negotiable. But some people can only relate to God based on what they read about him and they don't actually have a heart relationship for him. And so we need the Holy Spirit. We need his fruit cultivated in our lives. We need his gift, um, gifts, plural, uh, to minister, to serve one another, uh, to walk in a power that is otherworldly. And so you're not done growing yet is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> we need to know the Lord more deeply. We need his power in greater ways. And um, Mavericks and Misfits just doesn't we don't squeeze God into some framework or some denominational lens or, you know, some religious box. We we welcome God to be God. He's not asking permission. And so we just align with the fact that he gets to be God and that will stretch us constantly as we pursue him. Um, chances are that um, many of you that are listening, uh, your whole concept of God has been framed up by one denominational lens, whatever denomination has been the primary one in which you have given expression to your Christianity and done life together with other believers. And I just like to encourage people all the time, um, frame up your understanding of the Lord by becoming a student of the word. And you will, when you read the Bible uh, with discipline, with um, a passionate pursuit of who he is and knowing him, um, you'll find that God will crush your denominational boxes that have been um, thrust upon you in years past. I'm not anti-denominational. I'm just non-denominational, meaning, hey, you know, you know, the Baptists get God right in these ways, and they have a lot of great things, and the Pentecostals get God right on these things, and uh, they have a lot of things to offer, and the Presbyterians get God right on these things, and so on and so on. But none of it is a corner on the market of who God is, and so we need each other. 
And if you, if you align with that kind of thinking, um, one, you're going to have healthier relationships among Christians with whom you disagree on peripheral stuff. But number two, um, you're going to be growing. I like to learn from people that think differently than me. Um, I don't sign off on everything that's different, but nor do they sign off on everything that I'm different about concerning their beliefs. And so um, the title Mavericks and Misfits is just simply a representation of the reality that, um, you know, we just kind of cast off those, those unbiblical, non-kingdom constraints on our experience with God. And we welcome God to be as creative as he's always been. And so we're glad that you tuned in. Wow, that was like a four-minute welcome. Um, better get down to business. I want to talk to you about something uh, in today's podcast that literally, I, don't th- I think it's been months since I felt led of the Spirit to kind of go down this trail. I've come out of a season, a six-month season, of pretty intense warfare. Um, and there's no profit whatsoever in going on to the details. Just suffice it to say that... Um, ministry and life and um, just my own private walk with God um, has encountered a lot of heaviness since the beginning of this year and very recently feel like the the cloud has lifted and by the way in the mid don't don't send me flowers like don't don't send me condolence cards or anything I'm good but it's just been one of those seasons where God allowed a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, difficulties and challenges. And I love that now. I used to fight it, but now a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned. I realized that when those seasons come, you better just cooperate with the plan of God in it. And typically what he's saying is humble yourself. That's almost always the foundational teaching in a time of heaviness and warfare. It's humble yourself and draw near to me. And the pressure squeezes the unprofitable stuff out of us. And so a lot of the podcast, if you you know, listen regularly, you would have picked up on the intensity. I talked about relational strife. I talked about warfare over and over again, and it's just been where I've, I've lived. And so today I'm just going to go in a different direction because, uh, while I was driving in, uh, to the church office, I'm recording in the church office today. Um, when I was driving in, I felt just distinctly led of the Lord. I was just hearing the Lord for myself really. And he was just speaking peace over me, um, just peace, peace, peace. And it's funny because I wasn't lacking it when I woke up, but <laughs> to the one that has more will be given. So I had peace and he just kept giving peace. And I just felt um, I wasn't even planning on doing a podcast this morning. I felt like I was supposed to share it with you guys because you're living in a chaotic world. You're living. In, I mean, it. it's it's not. Listen, you're not imagining things. It's chaotic. And it's more chaotic than it's ever been. And it's so chaotic that it's hitting the um, longstanding underpinnings of the United States of America and the culture and the government and the politics and the religious sphere and the um, cultural um, atmosphere. Um, there is a splintering. It's, it's very real. And it's not business as usual. This, there's a fragmentation going on in the American culture that is probably consistent where, um, in, in Hebrews where God says, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken until what can't be shaken is the only thing that remains. And the shaking has been going on for a minute and it's still going on. And so what I'm finding is I'm talking to a lot of people of various ages and backgrounds that are really rattled right now, like struggling, afraid, they're, they're fearful, they're anxious, they're, um, you know, they're really, really concerned about what is going to happen. And they're, and, and some of these people are, are, and we're talking about Christians too. They're, they're frantically searching for the safe place. 
and there isn't one horizontally. Hear me on that. There isn't a safe place in which you are preserved, blessed, healthy, and safe. There isn't one that is horizontal. The safe place is and always has been the name of the Lord, the covenant of God with his people through Jesus Christ, and the shepherding ministry of Jesus Christ, who primarily works through the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the one who lives inside of every Christian. But we have been trained in our flesh for our entire lives to presume upon safety from a horizontal level. That's why people want to make a lot of money, because they, they falsely believe that money is their safety. But watch what happens when the American economy crashes. It's happened before. It'll happen again. And all of a sudden, their safety is gone. Other people place safety in meaningful relationships, a loving, kind, healthy relationships. And there is a certain amount, there's a modicum of safety in that. But there is not permanent safety in that because sadly people die or people leave or relationships change. Other people, which still this staggers me, I don't understand why, but some people literally trust the government. They literally think elections and political platforms and governmental promises and I'll do this for you if you vote for me. And so they vote and they literally believe that these people are going to help them. And if, if I've learned anything um, in the 28 plus years of being a believer, it's that government lies. I don't trust any of them. I'm not saying every government official is a patent liar. But what I'm saying, government as an institution is founded upon falsehood. There's no safety in you in upcoming elections. There's no safety in legislation being passed that you know lines up with what you want. Um, I thank God for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. That's a great thing that has happened. But that didn't, that didn't make me feel more safe. It protected a lot of lives of the unborn, countless, and I love that. But, you know, like I'm glad that that happened. I celebrated that. I thanked God for that. I prayed for that for years. But, you know, that doesn't change the fact that the government doesn't provide safety. Legislation doesn't provide a safety net that makes me perfectly secure. So what I'm trying to say is, is this. I'll, ask, I'll say it. I'll frame it up in a couple of questions. One, what are you afraid of? Have you mined down in your heart in recent days to trace any anxiety and locate it and pinpoint it and say, I'm anxious or afraid about this. So what is that thing? And maybe you're fortunate. You don't have any fear. That's great. That's awesome. Most people do. And so most people have learned to live with a certain amount of fear and they live with fear management. So they suppress or they avoid or they fight the thing they fear. Well, the second question, um, is this, where are you looking for peace? Because those two things are connected. You, you identify what you're afraid of, and then you look at how you're behaving and living in context of what you're afraid of, and what you'll find is you will locate what you trust in. Because when you're afraid of something, you run from it in one way or another, or you fight it one way or another. You, 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 you try to remove that fear factor thing. And typically, the way you combat it, whether fleeing or fighting, will reveal what you're trusting in. And I, I go back to a passage where Jesus, um, who knew what was in the heart of man, 
he, he's talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to leave them. Like he's heading towards the cross. He's going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to rise. He's going to hang out for a little bit after his resurrection, but then he's going to ascend to the father. So he's physically leaving the disciples and towards the end of his earthly ministry, he was preparing them for that. And in John 14, he gives a very, very familiar uh, statement that you'll recognize as soon as I read it. But I, I don't want it to become so familiar that we actually don't stop and think he was trying to teach something here. He's trying to help his followers here, both the ones who were around him in the moment he said it and us. And so in John 14, 27, this is the son of God talking. And this is a, this is a, um, this is a word that needs to blanket your life. Like you need to receive this because this is Jesus talking to you. If you're a follower of his and he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And then he, then he says something interesting, not as the world gives, do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So I want to look at those words of Jesus that are, uh, I mean, they're, they're famous, they're helpful, they're, they're reassuring, but I want to suggest to you that they're not just meant to be a pat on the back. They're meant to be a tug on the heart. They're not just supposed to be reassuring. They're, they're highly instructional. And for, for those of us that have things in our life that intimidate us or cause us to fear or nag on our soul, maybe you're living with a sense of dread. Maybe you're waiting for the sky to fall. And maybe because of that, you're scrambling in some attempt to preserve yourself from danger or disappointment or, um, you know, some earth shattering experience. Jesus speaks into the hearts of those that are wrestling with fear. And he, he says to them, I'm leaving you with my peace. That's what he told his original disciples disciples. He's trying to tell them I'm going to physically go away, but I will never take my peace away from you. So it's a standing pledge of Jesus Christ that all of us who live in him were saved, were Christians, were disciples, were followers, were born again, were redeemed, however you want to phrase that. His pledge is, I'm leaving you with my peace. Um, if I could unpack it a little bit, he would say to those disciples, you've walked by my side for three years. We've eaten together. You know the tenor of my voice. You've ministered. You've smelt my sweat when we have labored in warfare. You've heard me pray. You've watched me weep. You've heard my sermons. You know my ways. I've been right there with you side by side for three years. But I'm going away. I'm going back to the Father. But I want you to know something, my friends. I'm going to make sure I leave you. My peace, the very same peace you always had when I was in physical closeness to you. I'm going away physically, but I'm not going to leave you without peace. And so those disciples were entering a, a transition, a shift from the physical ministry of Jesus to the spiritual approach to their relationship with Jesus. And what he said to them, he says to us, because we, we don't physically walk side by side with Jesus Christ in his glorified body every day. 
And we might be tempted to think, man, I wish I could. Well, maybe you will one day, by the way, you will see them. But the fact that it's not physical doesn't mean it's not real. And what he's saying is, I want you to have my peace, child. I don't want you to be afraid. He says, my peace I'm giving to you. So peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, the gift of the peace of God within you. The tranquility of soul, the calmness, the deliverance from an agitated spirit, dread, distress, depression, discouragement. That's not your portion. And for those of you that might be less passive and more of a fighter, you're not supposed to be walking around paranoid. You're not supposed to live with this idea that the devil's behind every shrub and he's just waiting to pounce. Whereas on a certain level, that may be true. You're just not supposed to be living with that being your primary consciousness that you are fighting the devil because you never know when he's going to pop up. Or fighting people because you've been hurt and you've been betrayed and you've been lied to and you've been abandoned and you've been talked about and you've been done wrong. Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. Don't live fighting that. Rest in me. I'm actually with you. I'm actually for you. I'm actually looking over you. I've actually gone ahead of you. I want you to know that I'm your shepherd and you, my little lamb, you are safe with me. Now, be careful how you hear that. Because in our day, we think peace and safety means immunity from any potential threat or distress. And that's not true. It just means that we overcome those things. And literally, panic is not a fruit of the spirit. And a lot of people are living in an, a very calm, dignified American state of panic. And so Jesus is saying to all of us, he's like, yeah, I actually want you to live in peace. I want you to be able to wake up no matter what's going on around you and to so abide in me that you're not moved by what's going on outside of you, that you're not owned by it, that you're not dominated by it. So Jesus wants to work in our thoughts. He wants to sit on the throne of your mind and he wants to tell you how to think and then he's going to empower you to do it. He wants to sit on the throne of your emotions and he wants to tell you how to feel and he's going to empower you how to do it. I think it's very common that um, lots of Christians um, feel like, <laughs> it's hard to say it because I'm using redundant words, but they feel like their feelings are sovereign. So in other words, if I feel this way, then that feeling is legitimate. And so they go with their gut. They go with their heart. They go with how they feel. They literally interpret life based on how they feel. And so their feelings are always out front. And so if they feel threatened, they, they sense defeat. If they feel injured, wounded, slighted, then they feel they, they view themselves as insignificant or victimized. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to, and he's working to do this through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God all the time. He just wants to bring you to a place where you're like locked into him no matter what you feel. He never wants you not to feel. He just wants you to be the master of your feelings as you walk in the Holy Spirit rather than your feelings mastering you. And so this is a learned art, but it comes from this place of just keeping your peace barometer lifted high 
But I think what's interesting is in that same verse in John 14, 27, when he says he leaves you with his peace, he gives you his peace. Then he makes a distinction. He says, not as the world gives peace. It's not the world's type of peace that I'm giving to you. He just makes that distinction. He says, the peace that I give you is not a shallow peace. It's not a circumstantially interpreted peace. It's not a peace that depends on people or resources or external calm, externally calm environments. Jesus's peace is an anchor in the storm. It presupposes that a storm will rise. And he says, yeah, the waves will crash. The winds will blow. The threats circumstantially will rise. But what you're operating in is a different kind of peace. And you don't have to let your heart be troubled. That's the other part of the verse. Let me, let me go there in a moment. I hope you're tracking with me here. I'm trying to speak some important things in you. I'm trying to make a deposit in you spiritually so that you'll reconsider what you're feeling. You'll reconsider the conclusions you're drawing. You'll reconsider how you're responding to a chaotic world. And Jesus Christ says, the kind of peace I give you is entirely different than the kind of peace that people are seeking after in the world. So immediately when I read those words of the Savior, I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, this is, this is not average. This is not common. This is not status quo. This is not routine. There's something of a treasure here that Jesus is saying, my people can have a peace upon them that the world cannot have. And then he says in that same verse, so don't let your hearts be troubled. Notice this. This is instructional. This is not a pat on the head. It, it can be reassuring, but there are instructions in it. And here's the instruction. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jeff, you don't let your heart be troubled. And then he amplifies. He says, don't neither let your hearts be afraid, troubled and afraid. And then he says, don't let that happen within you, Jeff. To you that are listening, Maverick and Misfit listener, just hear Jesus on this. John 14, 27. Child, don't allow your heart to be in a state of trouble. Don't let it be agitated. Don't cultivate and nurse your fear. Don't come into agreement with it. Don't feed it. The reason why some people, some Christians, maybe even some of you listening, are living in dread, anxiety, agitation, and fear is because you feed it. You, you literally seek out sources that trouble your soul. You, the news media, Facebook, Twitter, I'm not on TikTok, but I'm assuming it's the same there, um, it's all bent to communicate things that trouble your soul. You know, my social media feeds are primarily, almost exclusively really, um, things that edify. They glorify God, they edify me. <laughs> I don't follow people on social media that agitate my soul. I don't, I don't check Fox News, CNN, or MSNBC, or Drudge, or Breitbart, 
I, I don't check those five times a day. And I don't sit around and read all of the political grenades that are being thrown back and forth. I just don't do it. Why? It troubles my soul. I'm made for peace. I'm called to peace. Jesus said, I am not allowed to permit my heart to enter and remain in a state of agitation. So I have to protect my heart from things that agitate it. Now, I get it. The argument would be, well, Jeff, you're just living in a fantasy land. You got your head buried in the sand. No, I actually don't. I'm fairly aware of what's going on in the culture, but it's in the culture. I'm not letting it get in me. It's out there. Does it affect me? Sure. I live in this world. I mean, I can't get a, get out of here right now. This is This is where I am. But I take ownership over my mind. I take ownership over my heart. I don't come into agreement. And quite frankly, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't hang with people that are in a constant, agitated, panicky, angry, hostile, volatile state of mind. I don't roll with those kind of people. I don't watch those kind of um, programmings. I don't listen to those kind of podcasts. Like I got enough fight in me. I don't need somebody else's fight getting in me. What I need is Jesus's peace getting more deeply in me. And so do you. And so again, this is what he said. I'm leaving you with my peace. I am giving you my peace. So it's already available. In a certain sense, you already have it in that he lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, his peace lives in you. It's, it's the question of what, what are we cultivating? Are we cultivating the peace we've been given? Are we growing it like a garden? Are we allowing external sources to come in and spray Roundup on this good fruit of the peace of God? And so we are responsible for not allowing our hearts to be troubled. Let me give you some pastoral advice and then I'm done. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I am a pastor. I'm, I love the podcast. I love teaching. We do a lot of different types of ministry, but um, I lead a, a local congregation at the church at Winder in Bethlehem, Georgia. And um, I've done that, not here, but I've done that uh, for 26 years in local church pastoral ministry, uh, about 18 months here. And um, I want to I just say this. If you are, this is my pastoral piece, if you're constantly listening to things that reduce your peace or oppose your peace, Stop it. Stop. Don't look at things that steal the peace of Jesus from you. Don't listen to things that steal the peace of Jesus from you. Most entertainment is completely devoid of the peace of God because it's devoid of the spirit of God. So what, what enters the eyes um, roots down in the mind and it becomes, it, it, it interferes with God's communication with you through your mind. And what, what we, the relationships that we cultivate, if you're hanging with hostile people and they are literally agitating or victimized people, people that are constantly talking about how everybody's against them. Like I, I used to roll with some people, man, that, that, and, and I love them. I thank God for the good in them, but I watched them over years just get soured and their whole identity is about how they've been done wrong. And after, you know, a certain amount of time, you realize, yeah, they don't want, want any help and their junk's getting all over me. I can't do this. So whereas I might love them still, 
um, I can't dedicate time. Why? Because I got to let my heart not be troubled. And if I start hanging, you become like those that you run with most. Bottom line. Who you run with most, you will become like them. And they'll become like you. And if they're constantly agitated, they're angry, they're victimized, they're, they're fixated on what they're owed, they're upset about how they've been done wrong, they're demanding, and they're, they're, they're lacking peace, if you hang with them regularly, you will become like them. And your heart will be troubled. If you're, if you're constantly around people and they're speaking fear all the time, you either got to get a backbone and tell them in the name of the Lord, stop that because that's not faith. And if they refuse to do that, man, if they just will not step into confidence in God, listen, he's either bigger than the problems or he's not. And if your God's not bigger than your own problems and the problems in the world, then you don't know the God of the Bible and you've not met Jesus. Like if these things are true, start living them. Like he's, he either rose from the dead and conquered the greatest threat to mankind or he didn't. And the resurrection is not just a springtime holiday. Like the resurrection has ramifications into the actual life of believer. And so when, when junk is coming at us, you have to operate from the mindset, oh yeah, this is real, this is intense, this is in opposition, but thank you, Lord, that you overcame a greater weapon than this, you a greater foe than this. You overcame death on my behalf, therefore I will not look at this thing that's out there opposing me, taunting me, intimidating me. I won't look at it. As something insurmountable, I will say in the name of Jesus Christ, whatever this thing is trying to stare me down, I'm going to stare right back at it. I'm going to proclaim the name of the Lord and watch that Goliath fall. But if you hang around with people taking that David and Goliath scenario, the entire army of Israel before David stepped on the scene were intimidated by a giant that David looked at and said, why are y'all letting this uncircumcised Philistine run his mouth? I'm going to kill him in the name of the Lord. But if you're hanging around with a bunch of those people, people like those ancient Israelite soldiers who are just, you know, shuffling their feet and, you know, didn't know what to do and they're intimidated, you're going to become like them. And so we have to get to the place where we say, I'm sick and tired of inferior things robbing me of my sense of peace. When Jesus Christ died, rose, ascended, and promised that through the Holy Spirit, I can have the fruit of peace in my life. So let me close with this. I bless you in the name of Jesus to consider what you've heard and make it personal. I bless you in the name of Jesus to not let this be a lesson on a pad podcast but maybe consider that it's a word from the Lord to you because he paid such an exquisite price for you not to be imprisoned to your anxiety, dread, and fear. If you've bought into the lie that you're just going to be a fearful, bound creature the rest of your life, then get help. There's a lot of good Christian psychologists out there, counselors. There's no shame in going to get a counseling uh a session with people that know Jesus and know the human soul and can help you. Get some help. Like straight up, God's got people in the kingdom that are meant to help you with your anxiety, dread, and fear. And then learn to limit the sources that feed that anxiety, feed that fear, rob you of peace, and just start saying no to those things. 
So I hope that as you go into the rest of your day, the rest of your week, that you'll know this. Jesus looks at you right now. He says, I am giving you my peace. It's not like the world is offering you because there's no peace in the world. My peace is real. My peace is not primarily a feeling. It is a deep, eternal, spiritual substance. It's actually my presence in you, my covenant to you, and my loyalty with you. I am with you. I'm your king, and I love you. Rest in my peace. We'll talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.